Hey there, and welcome to episode 17 of the Better With Running podcast. I'm Matt Davey, co-founder and coach at run to pv and alongside me, as always, got Zaka Newman. Welcome to the show, Zaka. G'day, Matt. How you going, mate? I heard you've, uh, I've been able to get you out of the backyard from uh, splitting up some wood. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. The, the house was starting to get a bit cold throughout the week. We were, uh, we were yeah, scraping the bottle of the, uh, the wood bin. But thank you. Yeah. Not much we can do at the moment in uh, in in ISO two point No, that's right. That's right. So I wasn't too upset about having to get the axe out and and grind away with the yeah, with the um, yeah split up some wood. So yeah, some of them were tough though. Yeah, well, uh, good for the guns, mate. Gem, Gem has got a, a list of chores for you, mate, to get through over the weekend, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, it keeps you busy, so. Yeah. yeah, happy with that. Just get them to do the mow. Well, actually, she did the mowing today. Um, I've got to do the whippersnippering after this, I reckon. <laughs> not bad. Um, not, is this the standard sort of post-time uh, trial method of recovery, getting out there with the axe? Because I, uh, I jumped on Strava last night and uh, it, was, it was blowing up, mate. There was kudos being thrown around all around. I was thinking, what is going on here? And then, yeah, I think you nearly broke Strava with that time trial. <laughs> lazy fifteen oh two. Oh five, I think it was. Oh, okay, we'll, we'll change it to oh two for you. I'll take two, but yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so I got uh, distracted with all the uh, all the kudos going around. I didn't see that. <laughs> no, I think Strava's still intact. That's all right. Yeah, <laughs> cracking run though, mate. You must be stoked because you've had a really good block, and I guess this was a chance just to. Obviously, in Melbourne and in Victoria, there isn't any races on, on the card, so a good chance to test yourself over a, over a hard hit out. Yeah, it was like, it was, it sort of sprung to mind um, about a week and a half ago. I did a, a um, I did a monofartlek, and, and I've done that many monofartleks before that I, I know what sort of shape, I guess, I'm, I'm in based off that. It's kind of a bit of a benchmark session, and I was really happy with how that went, and then and I was able to do a 10-minute tempo after as well and felt quite comfortable. And I felt like I was changing the gears um, fairly comfortably um, and just sort of dipping under three-minute per K pace for the ons um, and holding strong. So I thought, oh, I might be in all right shape for a bit of a time trial here. So, yeah, so had a little bit more of a think about it throughout the week and did got on the track uh, a few days later as well and, and found that there was a bit of speed there and sort of talked about that a little bit last week. Mm. And so, yeah, I thought, oh, why not? Um, why not have a crack? And I felt I was a bit worried if I... I was thinking about doing a 10K, but I just didn't really feel like I was going to be get up for a 10K. Yeah. Um, 5K, I felt like it was just going to be a bit more manageable. So I thought I'd start with that. And then if that goes well, I might look at a 10K um, a month or so later. Yeah, so pick the pick the date on the Friday night after after work, and yeah, cracking cracking conditions. There was yeah. barely a breath of wind. Um, Gemma um, was on the bike following me with the with the GoPro. Um, oh, I've seen you, you sent the, through that photo, mate. Jeez, that's that is. Um, we'll, we'll definitely have to get that out on the um, on the gram, mate. That'll blow up. Yeah, that's, yeah, it might. Yeah, the sun, the sun was setting. It was a beautiful evening, um, and she she was cracking the whip. Um, yeah, for for the majority of the run. Yeah, so I was happy with how it went, and how it came out. Yeah, I guess I uh, I started. I think it was two fifty eight in the first K. 
just looking at these splits, mate. I was like, just out the gates with a 258. So, yeah, obviously a, a bit of intent. Did you have a plan going into it? Did you think, oh, I'm going to go out and try and, um, you know, hit it, hit it hard and just hold on? Or was there a real sort of strategy behind uh, how we're going to execute? Yeah, I guess Gemma asked me like what sort of um, time I was thinking about running or hoping to run. And I said, like, based on how I felt. So I did a Tuesday session. It was um, a bit of a blend of a few different paces. So I started at threshold for five minutes and then went two by 1K at what I thought I was hoping to run for um, the 5K and then some faster 400s and 200s at the end. Mm. But, yeah, in those two 1K efforts, I hit just under three minute pace. And I think it was about 250, I don't know, 258 and 257 or something like that. I just felt like I was overreaching just a little bit. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I reckon if I have a really, really good day, like an A plus would be under 15. Mm. Anything between 15 and 15, 10, I was thinking around that'd be an A. Yeah. And then a B, 15, 10 to 15, 20. And then a C, like anything around 15, 30. So, um, I guess with that in mind, I thought, yeah, if I get out of the blocks reasonably well, I knew I was pretty fit that if I, if I dipped under three, I'd be able to hold it. Um, so I guess that was the idea. And yeah, funnily enough, it, it came out at 2.58. So I was happy with that. But then yeah, it got into a bit of a rhythm. And I find at the moment, I haven't really got the, the speed to make feel like I need to, or feel like I have that ability to, to change pace once I'm in a rhythm. Do you you know, you sort of... Yeah. I mean, just on that, do you reckon in these time trials, and I know we've got a few athletes and we'll go into a couple of my athletes I haven't did them in the last few weeks and, and they are challenging because you're out there on your own. And, and I think they, that we mentioned that change of pace, sometimes in a race setting or at least having other people around, I know you had Gemma on the bike, but from what I could mm. see, she was actually behind you just, just getting yeah, the, uh, the motion picture in, uh, <laughs> intact. But the, <laughs> Yeah, that change of pace, sometimes it happens because an athlete makes, you know, someone in the pack makes a move and it forces you to, you know, just mm. attack on the back or, yeah, so it's hard to keep keep the wheels turning sometimes when you're solo. I think, you know, mm. it's so consistent, like three, 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 two, three, two, and then uh, just just round it out with a three-minute K. Yeah, that's a, yeah, yeah, and that's what you can see. Like, I just found that rhythm and there's a couple of times I'm like, no, I want to change pace, change pace. And, and I tried, but I don't know if I went any quicker or not. Um, and yeah, so I guess I'm just missing that bit of speed and that's fine. Like, I think I'm in a good position at the moment that I can, if I wanted to, I'd be able to um, knock out um, some 10K training in a, and in a month, like have a crack at a PB or, you know, I could do, go the other way and, and, and um, attack some speed and then try to knock out a 5K PB. Um, so I feel like the position that, I've got myself in as ready to, to sort of do whatever I want. Um, Cause I just feel like I've just been in a holding pattern because obviously there's been no races. Um, for, you know, yeah. what in the last like, <laughs> Not since four months run. was that last 10 K we did. Yeah. Since the river run. So yeah, it's yeah, been um, a bit of a holding pattern since then. Yeah. Got, got a few nightmares still from that one where you uh, snuck up. <laughs> and yeah, just, how'd you go there? Yeah. I've forgotten about that one. I don't think it counts. Uh, <laughs> any, any race in 2020 doesn't count. Huh? <laughs> Hey, um, yeah, that's true. I um, I was just thinking though, like in, I know myself, like is you know, it's in some of these situations where you, it comes out as a great, great, you know, great time trial, great race. Mm. You you remember it as coming out perfectly, but during the effort, was there any points where you were on the ropes or feeling like, well, you know, that three hundred two or three k, I'm this is good, but. 
could be in trouble or was it pretty much smooth sailing? Yeah, there was a couple of, I guess there was a couple of moments like that. Um, and I do find I go through those moments like, man, this, this is starting to hurt a bit, like I'm quite uncomfortable. Um, but I try to, there's a couple of techniques I use and one of them is I start and I got this off Paula Radcliffe reading her book. She counts to a hundred. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't even know how, I can't remember. I know I did it twice during the, the right. 5k and I've got no idea what number I got up to both times. Um, and it just, I find it just takes my mind away from it. Um, like disassociate from that sort of pain. And then, yeah, I forget about it for a bit. And then I'm like, oh, all right, I've only got two Ks left. Like, you know, this is just about six minutes of running. And, and yeah. you just know yourself like, yeah, I can, I can handle this for six minutes. Um, and I guess, yeah, the other thing is, and, and, it, and it was a time trial. And yeah, I did go through a couple of those moments. But um, if it was in a race setting and I was, you know, either someone was coming up behind me or I was trying to chase someone down. Um, I guess I would have had to dip into the well a lot more. And mm. I think, I think I had a bit left at the end cause I was quite fresh. I, well, I'm not completely fresh. Like I couldn't have done it again, but I hadn't had enough there. I reckon that I could have held someone off or, or pick someone, uh, pick someone up if there had been someone in like it was an actual race situation. Um, so yeah, I did go through a couple of those moments, but I didn't, dip into the well as as much as what i probably could have if i was in an actual race yeah and also in a race like you know you, you mentioned about counting you know one to 100 and um mm. i i don't use that one but i do like when you've got like two k to go and you go yeah look at six minutes it's one rep you know it's it's, mm. uh, it's half a um you know it's it's for me it might i might think of somewhere in training it might be it's half of the half of the tan left you know or whatever it is yeah. um but I just want to think about um, maybe take you back to your warm up. Like, were you getting into that race mode? Were you nervous? Like, could you get? Because we haven't raced for a while, like back in March, and I know it's it's not a race race where there's no one around, and you know, Gemma's there, but it's still not the same as as you know, putting the bib on. Like, were you able to dial in in that warm up and get the nerves going? Yeah, <laughs> it's funny you say that because um, yeah, because. Uh, Gemma realized that like she was riding, um, she was riding with me as I was warming up and she's like, man, what, why are you really quiet? Like, are you <laughs> nervous or something? <laughs> I'm like, I think I am a little bit like just more just anxious about how I'm going to go. Like, you know, I, I want to, you know, get something out of the work that I've done here. And sure. I know there's no races on the cards and it's, and you know, it's, it is just a time trial, but I still was a little bit anxious. So I was, yeah, I guess I was able to, die in and get those um those nerves firing you know because they're a natural part of it well yeah you need to get the arousal up yeah exactly they can help you so Mm. yeah i was like yeah i guess i am a little bit because i you're right i am quite i'm quiet Mm. (laughs) usually i'm a bit more chatty and um yes i did and like i had a like i I tried to go through my um my normal sort of routine of um having a, a gel beforehand um and that sort of usually gets my mind because I only do that when I um, want to hit a good session or, or before a race. Um, and that sort of met that preparation, I guess, even just that yeah, put me in a brain that like, oh yeah, this is going to mean something here. Mm. Um, I want to do well here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think the nerves. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it, yeah, you don't just bang out 140 K weeks or you do the, the hard workouts and you do the session. It's just, you want, it does mean something and it's all individual. Like you want to get the best out of yourself. And I think that's where the nerves come. They do particularly for me, that's where they come from. Um, because I just, 
put the pressure on myself that, you know, I don't really care what the result comes up on, you know, in the mm. outer outer world. It's more, okay, can I, can I put this on the line and, and really dig when it counts? Yeah, uh, that, that's so true. It is. And I think a lot of runners are, are the same. It's, it's not mm. so much the external pressure. It's, it's the internal. It's what you like you want to you know what you want to do and you know what you want to achieve so you put the pressure on yourself to to get to that get to that point get to that level and and hope that yeah that it's going to come out all right yeah. um, and because you know you know if you don't you're just going to be a bit bit of a bit down for the next few hours or what it might be as well it's funny the state you go into during that effort, in that effort in that time trial or even in that race maybe in the time trial definitely i feel it more than in a race because you don't have the external things going on but it's like you go into this where you're just trying to get to the fast you know the, the end point as fast as possible and you're trying to nothing else can be going through your head other than you know doing all the things you do as as you um as you try and get through it like but it's like the whole world stops and it's just for this 15 minutes you're in the zone and you're just like <laughs> yeah you know, everything could be going on outside but you're just in this little world where you're just trying to get one foot in front of the other it's uh, it's pretty surreal feeling i think i i, I feel it I, I don't know about you yeah yeah it is and i think because of that time goes really quick mm. um because you are in that moment if and especially if you can get in that if you if you're having a rubbish day, then yeah, time yeah. goes forever. Oh yeah, you can <laughs> start thinking about it. Right. Yeah, sorry, go. <laughs> yeah, if you feel alright, like yeah, time goes really quick. Like that 15 minutes felt like, like thinking back to it, and like I can't even remember like yeah. any of it. It's like I could have just clicked my fingers and I'm done. Like mm. I can't remember any of it. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's quite strange and like sur- like you're saying, surreal mm. sort of experience. Because you do your warm up job for 15 minutes, and um, you can. Be thinking about you know I, I think about work you'd be thinking about your family you're thinking about anything but then that button you know the button hit hits on the watch and then it's just like your mind's clear and you're just bang you're you're in the zone yeah yeah exactly that's right and you you had a couple of your athletes in the past few weeks do some time trials and and test themselves out and like not not all our athletes have, have obviously been um keen to do time trials and that's fine like they're they're just happy getting the work done and and they're just enjoying the process and they'll just look forward to um getting into their best shape they can for when races um come about but yeah you had a couple of yours um experience some success too definitely mate because i mean in victoria we're obviously dealing with um with issues around the closures and not right and race is not really on the cards for a while so a lot of the athletes that are based down here have been training really well and it's been a been great um effort they've been putting in but then there's a lot that are used to you know going to park runs every week or doing other events and you know i think with we've with a number of my athletes sort of said let's put in a block maybe gear it towards a 5k or a 10k and just hit a time trial it gives us an opportunity to to have a bit of a taper absorb and then reload again and um yeah, had some great um, results. I just probably wanted to highlight because there are a couple of athletes. Um, you know, just last week, uh, Anna, who um, Anna McPhee, she is a fantastic um, ambassador for us because she's just really um, immerses herself in the community. I know she's always um, congratulating others, and um, you know, people are following her on, on her journey. And she's she's had a couple of um, setbacks with injuries, and she's really bounced back. And uh, yeah, it was just 
super satisfying to see her um, break through last week. She ran a 10K PB, broke 50 minutes for the first time. Um, but yeah, it was, and she's got her heart set on um, on Melbourne Marathon and we're going to look at doing something in some capacity. Uh, it may just be, you know, obviously a virtual sort of setup, but that's... Um, that's all to be confirmed. Shannon, uh, she had a cracking run as well. She ran 50.07 for 10K. And just, we, we actually ran a 10K a couple of months back. She ran 51.45. And um, it was like, let's, let's have a go at this, um, this 50 minute barrier. So it was a huge run to get, another, you know, knock another minute and a half off a PB. And that subject is coming. Because, like, like we're talking about, to do that, you know, time trial setting she's she's done it solo she you know no one on the bike no one no, no film crew it's just get out and whack it for 50 minutes you know 10k time trials tough and uh yep. yeah, that was awesome and yeah even this morning yeah sorry mate and this morning a couple more um luke gamble up in uh, up in brisbane he smacked out a 5k pb so that was awesome ran 2049 uh, he's he joined up uh, a little while ago and He's been chipping away so consistent with his training, and yeah, he's um he's he's on the way to that sub twenty, and uh, just lastly, Stu McClay, who um who's actually featured on our audio later from the the live event we had on uh, on mental training. Uh, Stu is a masters athlete. He had a cracking year last year, and unfortunately, the races we had planned this year, AV season, all the rest have been postponed or cancelled. So he actually test himself over a 3k on the track and uh yeah i was just i shared a message with you earlier um matt and mm. just saying that you know we we sort of vaguely it was like look 11 30 would be great you know conservatively and he came out and ran 1106 <laughs> so uh yeah exceeded his expectations that was fantastic that's an a plus there I reckon. yeah I'll get, yeah absolutely yeah that was a cracking run yeah, yeah so no. it's good to see you know, these athletes. Just want to highlight a couple of them, and um, yeah, I think we're seeing everyone across the group doing so well in the training blocks. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I got. I know Gemma had um, one of her athletes, David Best, hit a um, hit a five k PB up in Brisbane as well. Um, yeah, this morning. So yeah, we've got a few rolling around Brisbane that are doing doing some um, really good things up there. Yeah, and I know Brady has a few out in Bendigo doing a time trial over a 10K. Um, mm. oh, I have to get his results. We'll, we'll share them next week because he, um, he was getting them through and I know that was some, some great mm. runs. So, yeah, a lot, lot's happening in terms of um, you know, virtual time trials and all the rest of it as, um, as the year goes on. Yep. And, yeah, speaking of uh, training, on this episode, we're, we're going to release our first training talk, se- uh, training talk segment. Now we got um, we got the man we're talking about there, Brady, who is exceptionally good behind the mic, um, and he caught up with Run to PB coach Andy Buchanan uh, to discuss one of the specific sessions that, that Andy does quite regularly. He does um, six by hills into a ten minute tempo. Um, and yeah, they sort of discussed the the benefits, the pros and the cons of the or the pros I guess um, of the session itself, and you know what sort of benefits you can get out of it. Um, have you have you ever had a crack at it, Zaka? I've actually done Andy's specific session. I've done variations of it, um, and yeah, I've I've loved getting on the hills. And um, yeah, I, I think what Andy's talking about with that that um, variations in, you know, some some threshold work and some hills uh, reps in there. Um, yeah, 
it's fantastic to building the strength and uh, both components. So yeah, um, it's a great chat. So these guys, uh, you know, they're so passionate about their running and their training, and um, yeah, it's good to get get firsthand. Um, the way they they talk through the session is really interesting um, to get Andy's perspective and and mm. uh, yeah, so I think it's a good good chance for the listeners to, to get a bit of a sneak peek into the training that these guys get up to. Yep, awesome. Well, yeah, let, let's throw it to it. All right, new segment coming up with the Better With Running podcast. I'm joined with Run to PB coach Andy Buchanan, and we're here to talk about a training session today. Andy, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks, Brady. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to chatting all things running for a little Yeah, bit. this will be good. This is the stuff I really uh, get my kicks out of hearing about workouts, how the elite guys like you do them, how you're meant to feel in them. Um, hopefully, we give some listeners a workout and some information on a workout that they've never done before. But before we get into that, a lot of the listeners and members of run to pb uh, would have heard your interview. Give us a bit of an update. What's happened in the world of Andy Buchanan since then? I think you just heard out, found out that World Cross was ca- and our World um, Half Marathon was cancelled. Actually, due to all the COVID stuff, and that seems like about three years ago at the moment. Yeah, it does seem like a while ago. So uh, yeah, not much really. It's it's funny to think that that was kind of two or three months ago. Like it doesn't feel like that long ago. Um, but yeah, so I've um, yeah unfortunately come across a few niggles. So just currently dealing with a bit of hamstring tendinopathy um, in my right hamstring. So haven't really been doing a lot. But it's uh, I suppose it's the best time to be injured really because there's not a lot of races around and all that kind of stuff. So just um, just getting that right and it's a bit of a struggle. It's probably my first real injury I suppose so that's um it's a learning curve uh, I can still run but just not a lot of fast stuff so it's um I'm definitely missing the routine and structure that uh that normal training has um so yeah just kind of doing what I can and doing a fair bit of rehab um but I'm kind of I think it's a it's a good thing because it's not like I'm going oh I'm missing this race and I'm missing that race and and I don't think uh yeah haven't heard much about the world half champs um so yeah I, I can't see it going ahead they had put a, a um proposed a time for in October obviously that won't go ahead but I I don't know I can see them prioritizing the Olympics um trying to get them up and running and I I don't know if uh this will go ahead at any time in the near future so which is kind of good it's not it's not kind of hanging over my head. I've kind of forgotten about it and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, very little going on in my running world at the moment, but it's kind of good to take a bit of a back step for once because, um, yeah, never really had any injuries. So Yeah, pretty um, common one yeah. you've got, though, like common one amongst runners and stuff. So you've got to keep loading it, but you can't, like, do any fast stuff to kind of stretch it. Is that how you kind of treat it? Yeah, exactly. So it's uh, it's just the, the tendon at the top of the hamstrings just inflamed. Um, so it... Yeah, tendons are quite annoying because they they like to be worked, but then you you've got to work out exactly how much. That there's this sweet spot where they'll strengthen and get better, but if you go over that sweet spot, you're kind of doing damage. So it's all just kind of figuring out exactly where that sweet spot is. So um, yeah, a little bit of running, but essentially just trying to run really slow, which is actually quite challenging. Um, just because you don't want to extend your leg too much, um, and yeah, just some stuff in the gym. Um, so yeah, going in for an MRI on Monday just to get the absolute, yeah, this is definitely what it is. And then, um, go from there, but it is, it is pretty common amongst runners. Um, mm. and it's, it's a type of injury that can kind of, 
it can hang around for like three or four or six months um, and then just slowly disappear or it's a type of injury that can hang around for 12 months. So doing everything I can now to try and make sure it's right, um, which is quite good with, with no pressure of, oh, yeah, I've got to get back for this race or that race. So it's kind of – it's quite nice. Perfect just, time to be injured. It's, um, it is. It yeah. Is, yeah. Like you couldn't have yeah. picked a better time to have your first real serious injury. Yeah, exactly. And I, I don't know, It's there's a lot of people that are doing uh, like a little bit too much at the moment, I think. Um, yeah. Is, is that sustainable? Um, so it's kind of like, I don't know, if all goes well with me, I'm hoping to be back doing a bit of a uh, bit more serious training in, say, four or five months. And I don't know, I think it's going to be a long time till international travels back open and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. It might work. It might be a blessing in disguise. You never know. Not sure. Yeah, yeah. Even that mental side of thing of like keeping yourself up as well and focus. Yeah, like that that hurts a lot of people. It's going to hurt a lot of people in the long run. Like none yeah, of our members, yeah. but a couple of people in the elite sub elite world that you follow on Strava, and you just think this is silly. You're keeping the fire mm. turned up really hot at the moment, and mm. you're not going to be racing for two or three months, and you've been doing it for two or three months already. Like when it comes yeah. to a time of fire, you're going to be gone. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, just that the mental side of it is massive as well, just always being up and kind of building towards something that's not really there. Like I think when you have those races, it's quite good because you're like focus on that one goal and then it's kind of after that race, it's a bit of a reset, whereas that's not happening. So I think people just need to be careful at the moment and they just need to think about risk versus reward and what, what are you going to gain from taking all these extra risks. So um yeah it's a good time to be injured but at the same time it's uh yeah you miss running when you can't when you can't do a lot of it but um yeah no it's, that's yeah, all right we'll keep checking in in some of these little uh train and talk segments this first one today though we're going to talk about one of the workouts that i've only ever heard of it from you actually i've got it named in my final surge account when i give it to my athletes as andy buchanan's hilly and threshold special session um <laughs> i think you may have got it off your coach scott westcott yep. who represented australia at the 2016 rio olympics in the marathon but do you yep. want to maybe talk us through what this workout is first and then we'll talk about how to do it properly yeah so i uh i got it from scotty um and i'd never really come across it and never really thought of combining uh hills and thresholds but essentially it's there's a lot of different very like there's varied ones and um i i don't know i've probably done the same session once or twice but it's always a few added hills or two sets of hills and then threshold but the one that we've got going for a lot of our run to pb athletes is um six by one minute hills uh, with a very easy jog back recovery uh, and then a three minute rest and then a 10 minute threshold uh, at half marathon intensity so the key word there is intensity not mm. race pace um, so yeah it's it's a good mixture of some hills you get a pretty solid rest and then the uh the threshold afterwards so yeah i think i've uh i come across it through scotty and i think it's uh it's probably one of the best bang for buck sessions i reckon if if you had to choose one session if i had to choose one session i could only do for the rest of my life and you couldn't do k reps or you couldn't do monophilic or something like that i think this would be this would be the one i'd choose um and yeah i've i i actually know it as the uh scotty calls it the big boy session but that's only when you do hills threshold and then do it again so you go back into a set of hills and then back into a threshold so that's what he calls the big boy session but um i think he actually got it from his time in canberra when he was training um 
in Canberra under Pat Clahessy. So, yeah. Yes, it's a good session. It's had some good coaches attached to it then. So, let's talk about like these six uh, one minute hills. First up, how steep are you recommending the hill is? Yeah, so uh, tricky because you you don't want it to be too steep or you're changing, changing your running form. I think that's really important where some people can go a bit crazy and find a really impressive hill, but they it's too steep and they can't actually run up it properly. So you want to be able to attack the hill. Um, I kind of use, a, if you want to get technical, you can kind of use roughly... Uh, five to six percent gradient, which you probably don't have any of them in a chuka. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, yeah, but yeah, so you can actually a good way of checking a hill if you're kind of unsure, you can actually use Garmin Connect, uh, create a course, and it'll actually give you if you create that course up the hill, it'll actually tell you your meters elevation um, from point to point, and then give you the average gradient. So that's a good little way of checking. Oh yeah, I've got this hill down the end of my street. I'm not sure if it's too steep. Um, I like to kind of anything between five to six percent gradient. I think can um, can be of real benefit, but at the same time, you can definitely go uh, a lesser of a hill and run it faster. So that's a good thing about hills is um, yeah, just kind of your effort kind of impacts how hard it is. Um, but the, the tricky part is don't go too steep. Yeah, um, I always so. like to say something you could hold your five k race pace up. So yeah, not effort yep. or intensity, but pace. So it needs yeah. to, like, you know, your race, 5K race pace is pretty quick. That's probably yep. like the shortest distance a lot of our members run. So like, yeah, you need to be able to, if you go too steep, then you're definitely not going to be able to do that. And that's not the purpose of these hills to start off this workout. Mm, yeah, definitely. I think that's a that's a good little one to, um, yeah, to factor in when you're planning the session. So. And then your minute recovery or your jog back down, which is going to take longer than a minute because you're not going up yep. there as uh, quick. I reckon you'd agree with the fact that if you get to the bottom of that hill and you think you need another 20 or 30 seconds, that's fine. Like this is about yeah. getting your breath back and hitting those one minute hills with quality, not being exhausted before you actually start. Yeah, 100%. Like you want to make sure you're starting each one of those hills feeling like you can uh, maintain your effort and you're going to get more from taking 20 seconds rest and then running the same effort up the hill or pace up the hill. Um, so I know when I do these, if I've got a minute hill, it normally takes me uh, probably a minute 45 to jog back down, so super easy. And then I often just have five seconds at the bottom of the hill just to kind of just stop my what will hit lap and then, um, yeah, just walk around in a little circle, get my breath, and then kind of mentally get ready, and then I'm, I'm kind of off. So I always tend to have that little five-second break where I stop running and just kind of reset and go, all right, let's just get up this hill again. So definitely um, don't rush that the downhill part um, and just take your time on the way down. So Yeah, and another thing is like part. I know if, if I ever do hill reps or whatever, like we'll put a rock or a stick or wherever we're starting from and when you're jogging yep. back down, go like 20 or 30 metres past that. So then you can yep. do a UE, you can kind of see the hill again, you can get in a bit of a rhythm and then you can kind of, you know, hit the hill at full tilt rather than getting to the bottom of the hill, doing a UE on the spot and trying to go straight into a hill rep when your legs are, are used to go in the opposite direction two seconds yeah, ago. Nah. Yeah, that's a really good little tip to run past the, the bottom of the hill so therefore you can actually turn around and get your composure and then be ready to tackle it again. So, uh, so yeah, one of the joys of hills. Yeah, you finish your sixth one. You've got this three-minute rest. Like, Do you think that's yep. like a, a walk or a jog or a half-half or whatever the person needs? Yeah, it just depends on kind of where you have to get to um, because obviously you've been running up a hill and then you're going to do your 10-minute threshold, which 
ideally is somewhere flat. Um, so, yeah, if you're if you're lucky and you can walk um, to your threshold, then I'd I'd definitely walk. Um, I know there's a few spots where I do it where I've kind of got a uh, jog actually at a at a reasonable pace to get to the start of my threshold. Um, so yeah, I think if you can ideally stand around um, and just kind of keep moving, but uh, yeah, walking is definitely. I don't. It's it shouldn't be a um, a, a serious jog um, or effort to get to that ten minute threshold. So the idea is just to really get that heart rate down, and then you can kind of get into your work there. So you should be feeling, I'd say, uh, like if you if you consider once you finish the hills, you're about an eight out of ten, like in perceived effort, and kind of your heart rate's quite high. You should be getting down to a closer to a four out of 10 or even a three out of 10. Um, and you should be, you should be able to have a conversation and you shouldn't be still puffing and panting after that three minutes. Yeah. And then the marathon intent or the half marathon intensity, you've already spoken about that. So you're like recommending that people don't look at pace, um, on their watch. It's just like, Hey, this is what half marathon, uh, intensity feels like me today after doing some hills. Yeah, exactly. So this, this should look different after doing hills. Um, so say if you were to, to do a threshold, uh, just purely by itself. Um, when you do the hills first, it should be slower because it's you're kind of acknowledging, hey, I've already done some work, so my intensity uh, it's going to be a little bit higher naturally. So it's just kind of looking to get into that zone and not paying too much attention to your watch, uh, which can be tricky at times, and just trying to get into that half marathon zone um, and just like, yep, this is my kind of intensity and this is what perceived effort should kind of feel like. So it it can be tricky because um, I know, I know a lot of people look like to look down at their watch, but just trying to, um, I don't know, have that on your time of day and just look to get into that half marathon feel. Um, that's what it's more about. So, and trying to be consistent throughout that ten minutes. So, what about yeah, eight minutes in, you've got two minutes to go. Do you then flick into like the last two minutes of half marathon intensity and kick things down a bit, or you like people finishing knowing like they're ten minutes into a half marathon and still got an hour and a bit to go? Yeah, probably halfway between. Yeah. Uh, you'd, you'd want that 10 minutes to be consistent. Like you don't want to see that uh, that spike at the end of, oh, yeah, I've only got two minutes to go. Let's really put the foot down. Um, and you should kind of finish this session going, oh, yeah, that was hard work. But if Andy or Brady were there and they said, okay, let's do another three or four minutes at that pace, you'd be able to do it. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's kind of the takeaway. You don't want to be hands and knees – um, like on the ground afterwards, it's kind of like, oh yeah, if I had to do another three or four minutes, I could, like I wouldn't enjoy it, but I could do it. So yeah, probably look to stay consistent throughout the whole throughout the whole 10 minutes, I think is the best thing. And it takes um, some discipline to do that. I know I was training up here with my training partner the other week and we were, same thing, doing a workout like this where we're doing 10 minutes at threshold at the end of it and we were getting rolling and it was starting to turn into a critical velocity or a VO2 workout and it, we you know we kind of had to. Well, I had to kind of say, "Hey, purpose here. This is threshold. Yeah, let's stay yeah. in this zone." Like I think we get a bit carried away sometimes, and um, we want to finish full of running. Whereas I think it takes mm. a disciplined athlete to kind of just back things off a bit and know that this is a part of the big picture. And I'll have to write in my notes on final surge. Like I know you can go faster, but I don't want you to. Like I want you to stay in this zone because this is the purpose of today's workout. And usually, in three or four days' time, you've got an opportunity to go to that next zone. Yeah, exactly. It's so tricky these days with uh, like Strava and all that kind of stuff and wanting to try and 
look impressive and people judge you kind of on uh, what you're running in your thresholds or how you finish this session and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's important to know that like everyone uh, in Run to PB, they've got really good coaches and these coaches, are they're putting workouts in for a reason. Um, and if you're unsure of that reason, definitely ask your coach and say, oh, hey, what's the purpose of this one? And um, yeah, this this session isn't to run really fast at the end. It's um, you want to be nice and controlled. So I think it is it is tricky, but there's definitely a reason why uh, coaches put that in, just to make sure you're not stressing your body too much. So yeah, it's, it's tricky. And then we uh, we haven't spoken about it, but we're kind of assuming that people would be doing a you know a fifteen or a three or five k kind of easy paced warm up and uh, cool down after this as well like you wouldn't just stop that threshold and jump in the car and go home you need to tick the legs over for a bit of a jog afterwards yeah definitely definitely really important to um to cool down and i don't know i actually really like a cool down uh it's a good way especially if you're training with people to kind of have a bit of a debrief and you're not stressing about the best part of the morning when everything's over (laughs) yeah exactly and you've, you've just got all these endorphins and you're kind of like oh yeah like that was a good session like so cool down is really important, um, just depending on kind of what your weekly mileage is looking like. I know a lot of people, a lot of um, coaches will kind of say 3K or uh, 5 to, no, sorry, uh, 10 to 15 minutes, uh, whereas I know you and me typically do uh, 20 plus just because we're, we're more focused on trying to hit that 140 or 160K a week. Um, but the cool down is really important, and I'd say the warm-up is – uh, probably more important with this because if you're not warmed up and ready to go and you're jumping straight into hill reps, yeah. that will hurt. <laughs> like you need to be warmed up um, actually pretty proper before you start this because if you're just kind of jumping straight into a hill rep, you'll feel like death after probably two. And so, even I mean, um, like the pace of your cool down, like you're a 28-minute guy for 10K and um, I know I've cooled down with you a number of times. Like we're running at four minute 45, five minute K pace. Like you don't have to yeah. keep the foot down on that. It's very easy to kind of clear that junk out of your legs. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, I don't know, We I sometimes think the better the session, the slower the cool down. Um, and we mm. we always just try and make sure where you're chatting to people and all that kind of stuff. It's uh, It's not not part of the session it's you're not going to gain any fitness from it you're just going to kind of do damage through running faster so super easy um i know i've done a good session when my cool down's over five minute k pace um so yeah super easy doesn't need to be fast at all and the same with the warm-up i i actually reckon you warm up a little bit too fast i know when i'm doing warm-ups with you i'm struggling to keep up i'm kind of like a 440 kind of warm-up guy but you're often lower to four minutes it's funny you say that yeah like i like and i don't really keep an eye on it but i like kind of getting ready in my warm-ups and then yesterday i probably did my session a day too early off the back of what i did on the weekend and um i got my warm-up done i finished i kind of done my strides and stuff and i looked at my average was like 430 and instantly i knew that i was going to have a bad workout because i i could usually just tick along a bit quicker than that on a warm-up but obviously i was still tired um so it's a good indication to know where you're kind of at for your your warm-ups and cool downs as well and i know for me like if i've done a really hard session i usually call them like cook down not cool down because (laughs) i um, I'm in big trouble and sometimes I've probably gone too deep in the workout if I can't manage more than 10 minutes at um, you know five minute k pace only doing 2k and that's all I've got left in me so it's a good indication cool downs and yeah. uh, warm-ups as well but Andy I think we've done a good job with that thanks for joining me for training talk and I'm sure um, a lot of our listeners just got a lot out of that 
No worries. Thanks for having me on. Hopefully, uh, yeah, if some people come across this session on their final surge, they'll um, have a bit of a better idea uh, about it and where it kind of come from and the purpose behind it. So, yeah, thanks for having me on. Oh, mate, all these listeners as well. I know how many members we've got and I know how many listeners we've got. There's about 90% of people uh, listening to this who aren't members who just got a free free workout off Andy <laughs> Buchanan. So uh, plenty of people will be tagging you in Strava stuff, I reckon. <laughs> Looking forward to it. <laughs> thanks, mate. Oh, that was great to hear those two uh, have a chat about their tra- that training session, Matt. And um, I think something we'll both probably uh, throw into the mix of our training. Yeah, I've done that. Um, yeah, I think I'll throw in a bit more. I've, I've done the, that sort of session, like you say, the, the variations of it. But I've actually done that um, when, when Andy uh, sent it out uh, a couple of months ago. I had a crack over it. And yeah, I found it like I've done it the other way around before where you do the tempo first, then into the hills. But I find I like getting the hills done first because you can really um, concentrate on holding your form. Like going into, if you do the tempo first and you're a little bit more fatigued and you can lose a bit more form on the hills, I think that could be detrimental to the actual session itself. Um, I mean, there's other aspects involved with it, but yeah, that's what I like about um, the hills is because I see it a lot about um, developing some strength in good form. And if you're, um, yeah, if you do it at the start of the session, it's more likely that you are going to hold that. So, yeah, something that I'll continue to do. Yeah, and we're going to get the guys, uh, we're going to Brady to be a bit of a roving uh, mic man and um, send him the task to, to engage a few more coaches to, to get their um, insights into some other sessions down the track. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, yeah, looking forward to, to Brady behind the mic. He, he always, um, he knows how to chat. <laughs> He <laughs> to draw some draw the good in, information out of um out of people too, um yeah over the last few months Aka we've um head off with some some live events and yeah you've you've got yourself um yeah I'm, I'm <laughs> some inspirational work by you um <laughs> putting the putting the face on on a live event and and hosting these these events and we've had some really good feedback and and the last week we even. I've got you got a esteemed physiotherapist Brad Beer on um, to chat about bone stress injuries and yeah it was, that was an amazing talk um, that you had with him. Yeah, they're going well. We we decided a few months ago to get these live streams going. We just thought, well, let's put them out there. We'll throw them on YouTube after. I know that people are, are busy and at night it's sometimes past. You know, it's late at night or you know late, but um, things are happening and. We're going up against Netflix. So, you know, it's not the most uh, exciting thing for people to tune into all the time. But I think the values in it that it stays online and it's accessible to, to all runners. So, you know, and this, the one we had with Brad Beer was really interesting just uh, on Thursday. And we'll, we'll got that up on our YouTube channel and we'll, we'll throw the audio in down, down the track on the podcast. But we, um, yeah, a few weeks back, we had a really, really good um, night where we had. Uh, a few of our coaches, we had Madeline Heiner, Australian Olympian. We had the Josh Harris, who, you know, the Australian marathon runner. We had Steph Austin, who's a well-credentialed trail runner. And then our athlete we mentioned earlier in the, regarding the time trial, um, Stu McClay. So from a master's perspective, um, we were able to sort of just chat about, you know, the role running plays in their own mental health and well-being. We went through resilience and running. 
And we also looked at some of the things around bouncing back after when things don't actually go your way and um, how to get sort of motivated off the back of that. So yeah, it was, um, yeah, it goes for a, a close to an hour. So it was a pretty um, lengthy topic and, and everyone who came on were really open and shared a lot of, um, yeah, some great insights. So I think it was, it was a good idea from um, Maddie to, that you said, let's just get this on, um, on this podcast so some more people can hear it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I hope hope people get get something out of it who who haven't heard it before and went on um, went on over the night. And um, yeah, let's uh let's cut to it. Sweet. Okay, welcome to our second live stream event. Here, this is. I'm Zach and Newman, uh, run to BB co-founder and also um, runner myself. I've got a panel of guests with us who have taken the time, kindly taken the time to join us and share their personal insights about this topic. Joining us, we've got, uh, sorry, I just thought if Steph, is she just, she's just adding you back in, Steph. Sorry, guys, bit of a technical thing. Okay, um, so joining us, we've got Josh Harris over in Tasmania. So Josh, Josh started running in 2000. He was inspired by the Sydney 2000 Games, Olympic Games. He's dreamed of making an Australian team. His dream of making an Australian team came true in 2017, where he ran 2017 over the marathon. He went on to qualify for the World Championships in London. Josh has commenced, recently commenced coaching with run to bb bringing together his 20 years plus of running experience, as well as a degree in exercise science. Welcome to the show, Josh. Yeah, thanks for having me, Zacha. Glad to be here. Looking forward to it. Great to have you, mate. Over in Melbourne, we've got Madeline Heiner. Maddie has represented Australia on 10 occasions. She's a two-time Olympic finalist over the steeple and 5K at the Rio 2016 Olympic Games. And off the track, Madeline is a pharmacist and also coaches athletes online at run to pb Welcome, Madeline. Hi, everyone. Now, also in Melbourne, we've got Stu McClay. Stu is a life member at the prestigious Doncaster Athletics Club in Victoria. In the, in the early 2000s, represented Australia twice internationally in competitions for athletes with a disability in the TF12 vision impaired category, in track and field over the 400 and javelin, as well as the pentathlon. Stu has since moved into a focus on distance running and has become a member of the Run to PB online coaching group and um Stu, i'm actually Stu's coach so uh welcome Stu. thanks zaka looking forward to it. it's a great topic it is true looking forward to having a chat and over on the sapphire coast of new south wales we've got steph austin one of australia's most decorated runners in the trail and ultra running scene steph's finished top 20 in the 2019 world trail running championships She's a two-time winner of the six-foot track marathon, won the 56K two-bays trail run down here in Victoria in the Mornington Peninsula. And also away from the trail, Steph is a physiotherapist and a coach at Run to BB. Welcome, Steph. 
don't know if Steph is picking that up. You there, Steph? Uh, we might come back to Steph. I think she's got an issue with it. Oh, you there, you there Steph? Scott. Anyway, we'll we'll yeah, fix you I'm up. Yeah. Oh, Hello. Yeah. Sorry, hey, technical issues, I think. <laughs> That's all right. All good. Good to have you, Steph. So we're going to kick it off and we're going to just talk Hello. about... Hey, Steph. Uh, <laughs> we're going to kick it off <laughs> and running and talk about running your mental health and well-being. And we want to talk about all... Take individually, if you can just go through what the role running plays in your own personal mental health and well-being we're going to start with you Stu if you want to kick oh, it look, off look I um yeah I uh spoke to you you know a little while back on one of the earlier podcasts Acker and we um we talked about the fact that it's a really important part of my mindfulness we hear a lot about mindfulness these days and we see it in the workplace kids are doing it at school and for me, my my running is very much my mindfulness. It's my time. And and I, in thinking about what I was going to say here, um, I I posed two questions, and that was, who do I run for, and why do I run? And I think, when it comes down to it, I run for myself, um, and I run for all those good reasons that we identify. I I think, and why do I run for? I run because it makes me feel good. It's about my physical well being. It's about my mental well being. But also I run because um, I, prior to, I'm a full-time dad now, prior to doing that I was I was in a job where um, I, I was I had to be on show, I had to be on point all day long every day as a school teacher and I felt that I lacked some of that autonomy for myself, some of that control, but running gives me that control and I think that's really good for my mental health is that I have um, a level of ownership or a level of control when I'm out running. And that, and that I think, um, I, I don't think that can be stressed enough in, in how that makes me feel really, really good. Yes. There's so much in there, um, Stuart, and we'll, we'll probably dig a bit deeper across the, across the stream. But, yeah, thanks for sharing that with us. And, um, Josh, how about you, mate? Um, tell me about running and your, its role in your mental health and wellbeing. Yeah, Stu had a really good answer there, and some of that is certainly true for me as well. Uh, I've always prioritised running as uh, the, a non-negotiable in my day, and uh, consequently it, it takes until I kind of get my run done to feel like I've achieved what I wanted to for the day, and I always feel uh, relaxed afterwards. It gives me a sense of purpose, and I know we'll touch on it later, but there was a time where I wasn't able to run and, uh, you know, that, that was a challenging time for, for many reasons, which kind of comes back to, uh, you know, showing how important it is for me. Yeah, and you've, you've gone through struggles with, with some injuries and, yeah, coming back, it's obviously been a, a big, uh, big thing in your life that's uh, back with you again. Uh, Madeline, let's go down to you. What about you, your, the role running plays in your mental health and wellbeing? Yeah, it's funny. I've had to think about this question and I feel like my answer now would be so different than it would have been if you'd asked me this question really any time up until probably 2018. Um, I think if you'd asked me then, I would have dismissed it um, as a bit of a, an afterthought. Like I, I don't think I'd ever considered 
what effect it had on me. Um, if you'd asked me why I run, I had reasons. It was, you know, that I enjoyed it. It made me happy. Um, I got results, obviously, you know, when you run well, things feel good. And, and even though I had setbacks in those, those years, um, I still don't think I'd really kind of seen the value of running aside from the opportunities it gave me um, and maybe the people I met. Um, but now my answer is really similar to, to Josh and Stu. I think um, it gives you a life when, you know, maybe there's a bit of darkness. Um, it gives a purpose. It gives you a sense of achievement, um, you know, particularly at times where maybe in that day or that time period, you know, you're not feeling like you're achieving much else. Um, if you could just rally for the run, you always, always enjoy it. Um, and it gives you that something that you did achieve. Um, and tick off um, and I think as well and I don't know you know if we'll come to this later but what I didn't really realize till really the last six months but I guess the last 18 months too is what it gives you in terms of people um, and the community that it provides um, and I've always been a part of that community I just haven't really recognized the value that it adds to me in my life um, and I I think that's sort of obviously you know when you're going through a bad race a bad session a an injury, whatever things that runners can relate to. Um, but what you realise is that people who run are humans and they also go through the same challenges you do in life. Um, and for me, you know, particularly the last six months where I've had, you know, a, a doozy of challenges thrown at me, so much of my support has come from the running community um, because a lot of them are, you know, the people who are my supports. Um, so I would say, yeah, it gives, it gives that structure um, goal setting, all those sorts of things, but um, really, really people as well, which which provide all of that. Yeah, and I think also for you, I mean, I think some people associate, you know, Olympians on this this pedestal of like, you know, you, you don't relate to the everyday, but you go through the same struggles as as everyday runners as well. And it doesn't matter what level you're at, you know, and to be able to hear you talk about the things that you connect with as a runner um, in general, regardless of the speed you run, um, yeah, it's, it's really, I think, good for, for all runners to hear that. Yeah, and I was just going to add, I mean, you know, in the people I'm sort of referencing, it's literally been some of my athletes um, who, you know, have been able to rally for me when they think I was a bit flat and, and it's opened the door for them to have the same sort of chats and, you know, as to talk about what running gives. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. It really, you know, it doesn't matter how fast you're running. And Steph, over to you. Your the role running plays in your mental health and well-being. Let's see if we've got you there, Steph. Hello. Sorry, I can't really hear very well. I think my technology is not that good, but I'll put my little input in. Um, running is just um, it's certainly something that makes me function better on a day-to-day basis um it might not be the only thing I look forward to in the day but it certainly starts each day off um in the best way possible um I'm really grateful I think one thing that um running has taught me and to I guess your mental health and things is how to be grateful for things for you go through times when you can't run or you know just the things are getting you down and it's just something that you can um it generally always makes you feel better even if at the time is hard afterwards you um you always feel better for it um like even at the moment being um in the dark <laughs> every morning starting to run with a headlamp you get to see the sunrise each morning so there's definitely um yeah I think that the thing that running's given me um is it makes me I think function better as a person but it also has told me a lot of 
that gratitude and just to appreciate things a little bit more. So, yeah, I think um, running is, yeah, very integral to my, um, I think running and fresh air are very integral to my um, mental health and happiness. So um, as long as I'm um, alive, I will be, I will be a runner of some description. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. And, and you, you mentioned gratitude there, Steph. And another word that, uh, I guess it's, it's almost trending in a way and sometimes you hear about it is resilience and the role resi- resilience and running plays and I guess more so about what it has taught all of you guys about, you know, what, what running has taught you about resilience. So maybe you can all expand on that one. I'll throw to you, Stu. Let's go with, uh, yeah. So what has running look, taught you about resilience? Look, absolutely. Look, and uh, can I start by sort of saying when I was thinking about some of the answers to the to the questions that we were going to be discussing tonight I kept coming back to the idea of perspective and I think um, and I'll mention that probably a few times in some of my answers tonight the idea of putting things in perspective I think can help us become a little bit more resilient so when we do have a bad race or we do have a bad training session um, we can become more resilient by getting some perspective and saying there will be another race, there will be another training session, there will be another time where I can redeem myself. Don't, you know, I, I should try not to be so hard on myself. And I think that can make us a bit stronger. And, you know, and even I, I suppose I said to my wife this afternoon, can I use you as a um, as an anecdotal example? And, and she's never been a competitive runner she's never done competitive sport in her life but she took up running a few years ago and she said to me would you will you help me get around my first marathon now she's really driven when it comes to her career but she was never competitive with sport and she was never but I think what I'm saying is that she was able to translate her life experiences into running and use some of the resilience that she'd had through her professional life um and, and she used that strength to, you know, to complete a marathon. And that was, you know, a great honour for me to, to share that with her. So I think running can, we can become resilient as runners through our own life experiences. And on the other hand, our own life, you know, and on the other hand, what we do in running can also translate into our life experiences as well. And I think that can be really empowering and it can make us stronger. And I feel that, I've got to work a bit harder, you know, say, what, how can I make myself more resilient? And I think I can make myself more resilient by getting that perspective, by saying there is that another, there is another training session when things don't go well, there is another race. And I think that the other thing also is that we train ourselves to be, or I certainly, you know, are conscious of training myself to be physically resilient. And I think that's to the detriment of our, of our mental and our psychological resilience. So as a runner, that's something I need to work on uh, is that I probably take that for granted sometimes when I am working really hard on my physical resilience and, and not paying enough attention to that to that psychological mental resilience that we do need. Yeah, some great points there, Stu. And I know um, from coaching a lot of athletes, I just, that perspective thing is really key. I mean, I know we, all as runners, we're stubborn and we get, we do get caught up in details and sessions and we do, we're hard on ourselves, but then, yeah, you're right. We do need to show perspective and say, Hey, there is another session. There is always going to be another race. So um, yeah, I think there's some great points there. Stu, over to you, Josh. Um, What about yourself, mate? What has running taught you about resilience? And I know you've gone through your challenges 
just coming back from a, a long-term injury. So I'm sure you've got a few things that you could you could impart. Yeah, absolutely. I think going through a routine with training in my kind of teenage years really, really gave me some skills, not only resilience, but dedication, work ethic, and a few of those other kind of values that that you link back into your um, every aspect of life, as Stu mentioned. And things that we do, such as following the program, getting out before work, after work, in poor conditions, uh, you know, regardless of, of things that are going on in life, I think that teaches you to be resilient and it gives you, you know, the work ethic, like I said before, that you can apply to all aspects of your life. Um, in terms of physical resilience, there was a point where I felt unstoppable physically uh, but mental resilience probably stays with you forever in in whatever you're pursuing. Yeah, that's and those life lessons you learn as a runner. I think um, I think we always, as runners, we we take it for granted what we do and what the what the sort of skills we've learned over the years as as runners and what we can apply in our life. And I think um, yeah, and, and Mads, you've you've gone through some challenges as you as you alluded to earlier. Um, what about you? What has running taught you about resilience? Yeah, well, I think my first point is I want to um, recruit Stu to be on part of my team. He's, um, I love everything he's saying. I agree with this. And I love the idea of, um, you know, reminding yourself that there's always another race and another session. So um, I'm listening. I'm learning a lot here myself. Um, I think, again, linking into what Stu said, I, I think running has taught me a lot more that's applicable to life than I've realised. Um, and in many ways it's because I've not needed to use it. Um, so I, I think, you know, my own challenges with running, you know, you obviously pick a bad race or an injury and, you know, for me, surgery last year. And I feel like from that, you know, I had practice of seeing a problem as a huge problem, thinking how am I going to get through it um, and inevitably getting through it. Um, and, I used exactly the same sort of approaches this year in, you know, challenges off the track um, where I sort of had the same, same method of, of process of, you know, realising what the problem was, breaking it down, working out how I was going to handle it, setting little goals, daily rituals, you know, everything the same way I do with running, um, just with life. And it was the first time I've ever really sat back and thought, hang on, I know how to do this um, because I've done it before. Um, and, you know, sometimes the problems seem bigger than, you know, than, than other ones um but i think yeah just those those basic processes that i'd never realized were useful in anything other than running um absolutely were um and i think i, I had the tools to to know kind of how to break things down so um yeah that that's my response yeah no there's some great insights in there and, and thanks for being so open about that matt um steph over to you what about yourself? Obviously, you're out there hammering away on the trails and doing some of these big ultra events. There's a lot of resilience involved in that. What has yeah. running taught you about resilience? Um, I think that they, um, they say, not that I've done 100 miles yet, that was next on the agenda, but they say that it's like life in a day, um, running 100 miles. And I really think that it's so true. Like there's the highs, the lows, and I think it teaches you that you're, or, yeah, you are so much tougher than you think you are and you can get through so much more than you um, 
than you might have thought um, beforehand. I think that um, it teaches, uh, yeah, just how unbreakable you can be and that just like the others have said about like goal setting and applying that to um, to just life situations that, you know, you can sort of break down anything into a problem that can be solved and whether it be running or something at work or something in life, you can definitely, um, you can, you have the, um, the tools to be able to work through that um, regardless. So I think, um, yeah, I've, I get very inspired by people's resilience in events. I am um, certainly in the ultra world. I, I know I ran like a hundred K and um, in my last event and it took me nine and a half hours, but I've, have athletes that I coach and it takes them nearly three times as long as that. And I think that's just amazing resilience. Like I'm just in awe of people that can do those things. And yeah, I think that um, resilience sort of breeds inspiration as well. And I think that that's, um, that's a really good um, quality to have. And yeah, it's certainly something that you can use through um, all different aspects of your life. So yeah, everyone's a lot tougher than they give themselves credit for. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and look, just following on from that, and you've all you've all gone through your, your different running journeys and your challenges along the way, but I'm guessing, you know, you've all had some aspects, you know, I guess I suppose I'll, I'll rephrase the question as is, have you had aspects in your running careers such as injuries and or life outside stresses, stresses that have really affected your running and how have you navigated through them and maybe used running as a way to get through them as well? Um, we'll go back to you, Steph, and uh, just to mix it up. Do you, you want to have a crack at that one? Yeah. Um, so I guess I've, um, I've had two major injury, um, setbacks. Um, and I guess that the, um, throughout everything that, um, I had, I had two stress fractures that put me out of running for quite a while. And I just think that I, um, had faith no matter what that I would get back and it would be okay. And I think that that does then apply to um, to situations in races too. Like I know in when you run 100K, you go through many patches where you feel pretty horrible um, or in all different races and you just have to have this unwavering belief that, you know, things are going to be all right and you're going to get through. And I think when you get through all different types of um, adversities, whether they be yeah, in life or injury or whatever it is, it's just having faith that um, things will work out. Um, I'm a big fan of this fellow called Ross Eckley. <laughs> and he has this thing about, um, he says, to be cheerful in the face of adversity. Um, and I know I'm certainly not like that all the time, but I try to remind myself that, um, you know, tackle, you know, problems with a smile as much as you can, you'll get through and, you'll be a better person for it um, in the long run as well. So I think, um, yeah, that's one thing that um, running's taught me. And then I try to, I try. <laughs> Some days easier than others to apply to um, to everyday life as well. Yeah, no, that's spot on. I think, yeah, that just even in, in general, what the world's going through, just, just being kind and, and smiling at people can be just a small act that, that can really help people. And I think, yeah, like you said, getting through some challenging times. Maddie, I'll go with you next. Um, yeah, do you want to answer this one around the aspects in your running and, you know, some of the outside stresses that affected your running, how, how you've been able to work through them? Yeah. I'm going to start this by saying that I 
I'm going to go off on a little bit of a different tangent here and not talk about my injury <laughs> um, just because I've spoken about that one a little bit. Um, I have a sports psych who's a wonderful man called Mark who for years has talked to me about, I guess, the fact that your body can't really differentiate between where stress is coming from. So we have our stress from training, um, but that, that's not the only type of stress that we're presented with. And whether the stress comes from work or from family or from finances or from your social or whatever, not sleeping, Whatever it is, your body identifies it all as fatigue. And as much as I love Mark and listen to most things he says, um, I think until the last few months, both COVID and other things, um, it's only in the last few months that I've really taken that on board and kind of realised that that is true. Um, And for me, I guess my experiences with that were obviously a very high level of emotional stress earlier in the year, um, which obviously makes you fatigued and you're not running very well, but... I, um, self-explanatory, I, I adjusted my running, but I actually had some, some blood results, blood tests done just, um, you know, to see sort of a few markers. And it was really interesting to have a very physical, um, measurable um, way of describing um, what emotional stress had done. Um, and it probably took that for me. And for me, it was literally my liver enzymes, my kidney function, my uh, troponin, my heart, everything was, was saying this, you know, you need a break. You're not coping with what's going on right now. Um, and so it was a good moment for me to, to kind of not be too resilient and just allow myself to sit back and, and, and take what my body would take. Um, and so I guess my answer here is kind of realising wherever stress is coming from um, that you sometimes need to listen to it. Um, and for me, what that meant was, you know, obviously pulling back my running a little bit, even though I, I kept it going because it was that thing that was providing me so much joy. Um, but, you know, really adjusting things and being realistic with what my body could handle. Um, and I think, again, you know, thinking of 2020, I, I in some ways got lucky that um, a lot of the stress was taken from me Um when the Olympics were postponed um, and it really gave me that chance to say, all right, you know, your body's showing you very clear signs that these stresses, even though, yeah, sure, you're not running your normal mileage, you know, the other things are having pretty significant impact. So still keep the running in, but, you know, adjust it to a level that is beneficial rather than, um, you know, than detrimental. Yeah, Yeah, I guess as runners, you kind of focus in on the running and feel like you're, you know, you're, so I guess you just keep hammering away at it until something gives and you go, oh, I've actually got to do something about this. This is more than just running. I need to, to sort everything out and to do what you did and find out and be able to adjust, I guess. is yeah. yeah. And I was just going to say as well, the other temptation, of course, which I had and lots of people have, and I know so many of my athletes had, you know, when COVID restrictions happened, was almost to pour all your energy into that. Um, and there's yeah. so many risks with that as well. So. Mm. You know, for me, I obviously had Craig helping guide me um, to encourage me to run enough, but, you know, to certainly not um, not mess up my running, you know, to be able to keep it as, as that joy and that pleasure in the day um, while, I, while I could. And, you know, there's other times, obviously, you need to, to push. But, um, yeah, so I think it's kind of finding that balance also not, but, you know, by not doing too much um, when life stresses come along. Mm. So over to you, Josh. Now, Josh, you... Uh, you made we mentioned in the in the preview or the intro that you actually realized your dream and made that world championships team in the marathon towed the line but unfortunately dnf'd and then was out for a while 12 months plus with an injury so i'm 
thinking you've got a little bit to add on this one. Um, but yeah, how do you want to have a go at the uh, the question, mate? Yeah, absolutely. So that was a really tough time in my life, and I was faced with the potential challenge of never being able to run again, which you know wasn't something that um, I really wanted to have to deal with, but. It's something that I almost had to come to terms with at that point. And so it doesn't necessarily have to be running, but I think everyone needs to have an outlet of something that they can do um, that gives them that satisfaction. Um, And for me, I found cycling and I got very similar satisfaction from that as what I, what I did with running and, uh, you know, it, it may not be sport, it may be in another aspect of life, but I really use that time to shift my focus a little bit to other areas of life and almost try to forget about running in a way. And I'm lucky that now I'm at the point where I'm starting to run pretty well again, but I still have to go through um, thoughts that I'm never going to make it back to that level again. But you just have to come to terms with that and, and change, your, change your goalposts a bit, I suppose. And the other part of the question, uh, you know, outside stresses as well, that's certainly something that you've got to consider. And I know we talked about it on the podcast last week that I had a pretty rough week before my marathon PB, but I got to the start line and everything just shifted. My mind focused in on the goal that I wanted to achieve. And uh, that was that was all that mattered for that two and a half hours or the few hours beforehand. And I was able to just completely switch anything else off in my head. And I guess that shows um, strong psychology to be able to do that. Yeah, I, I didn't actually, that podcast we recorded last week, I didn't know the full extent of your story. And to hear what you'd, you'd gone through that week and then to go out and run that time, yeah, it was it was an amazing performance. And, yeah, you've obviously learned a lot over that journey in the last few years. Um, Stu, I want to move over to you, mate. Um yeah, have you got some comments on this one? Yeah, look, I just want to pick up on something that, that Maddie said then, and that was um, sometimes we need that wake-up call. I know I, I sometimes need a wake-up call. Something needs to – we need to be shown something, we need to be told something. And I've got a note in front of me that says, unless it's catastrophic, I will run again. Um, and I think that comes back to that that perspective, you know, can it can it ever really get that bad? Um you know, because we do knock ourselves around when we do get injured and we, we do get a bit down or, or or we have a tough time personally or whatever, and we tend to be, you know, there's a certain personality that goes with being a runner and um, and we can be really tough on ourselves. And I think we need to sit back. And, and I also just want to touch on, um, you know, what Josh just said then um, about taking that break and doing something else um and sort of all, it was almost to me when i was listening to you say that josh it was it was sounding to me as if you needed this time to clear your head and and appreciate what you did have and that's another note that i've got in front of me here that says we need to acknowledge and appreciate what running does for us um and what we get from it whether whether it is where you know that we can still give something when we are injured we can still be part of a team we guess we you know we can still be you know, an individual, we can still be a family member, we can still be a friend, we can still be a training partner or, or whatever that, that is. And I think that's really important that we, you know, we we find our own personal way. And I, I sort of found my own personal way to deal with when I've had injuries. And, and that was simply to say, I will run again. 
um, whether that's two weeks, two months, whatever. And I've been pretty pretty blessed that I haven't had a lot of those those long term injuries that can really be a struggle. But I think it's also important that we um, find people that can help us deal with it. You know, I, I've got a. You know, we will all say, oh, you know, you have a good you have a good physio, or you have a good masseur, you have a good coach. All of those things are part of the package. But I think we also need to surround ourselves with, you know, with people who understand why we run and that it does get tough for us. So it's it's other runners, it's non-runners, it's friends, it's family members. Um, and I think I, I can become, and, and I'm sure everyone can as runners, we can become a little bit selfish, but we're unintentional when we do that. Um, and having people who around us who we can who can understand us, and I certainly have a lot of people who who understand why I run and what it means to me, and I think that's that's really crucial in helping us get through those tough times, whether it is work related stress, personal stuff, uh, an injury, or just when you go through those patches where you're just not running well and the, and you don't know what to do about it, and the training's not coming out right, the races aren't coming out right. But to have people around us and have that support network, to build a support network is is crucial in dealing with that sort of stuff. And, and as I said just before, to appreciate and, and acknowledge what we do have, whether things are going fantastically and, and we're hitting some great times running PBs or whatever or having great training sessions or when things are tough, we still need to appreciate and acknowledge what we've got. Yeah, you've touched on some great, great points there, Stu. Zachary, I just wanted to jump in and say just in comment to Josh um, when he was saying, you know, resetting the goalposts. Um, I found a similar thing post-surgery. I, I I think having surgery was actually the best thing that ever happened for my running, which sounds bizarre, but it gave me the chance to kind of realise that it wasn't competition with performing well or potentially being an Olympian again or another whatever you call it, I'm the second Olympian, whatever the term is. Um, it was simply that I wanted to run um, and it was the joy that running gave and all the other things were a bonus on top of it. Um, and I was, I accepted that my goalposts also may have been and may need to be, I don't know, um, reset, but I realised I was absolutely okay with that provided I could be part of the running community and the running scene again in whatever capacity. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, that, that certainly gave me a, a, a big um, heightened level of appreciation for running, Gr gratitude. Yeah, and, and actually moving on to races and training and, and some of the strategies you all employ. Um, and, and I guess I, I want to actually ask a bit of a more of a maybe a difficult question and it's around being mentally tough. And do you, and I'm going to ask all of you, do you think you're mentally tough enough when it comes to training and racing? If so, how have you developed that? If not, and is it a work in progress? And what are you doing to improve it? And we'll kick it off back to you, Stu. Uh, this is, and this is something that um, you know I, uh, that you and I have spoken about um, as coach and athlete, Zachary, and that is that I have acknowledged that I'm not as good at racing as I am at training, and that's something that I need to to fix. Um, yes, I'm still out there running. I'm a little bit older. I'm a master's athlete now, and I but I still like to get out there, and I still want to still want to race. But I need to find a way to be better at it. And I think it's it's a fear in me that um, that I need to, and I'm working at it. I'm getting better at it. Is that if I fail at training, 
or you have a bad training session or you don't hit the times or you don't get through the reps at training, that doesn't matter. But it's very different when you go out and race. And I think probably the best athletes are those who can conquer that fear that if I don't do well in this race or or certainly they can say to themselves, I, I am going to do well in this race. And they can, they can rid themselves of those, those self-doubts. They then become a tougher athlete. And that's something that I need to, to work at is that, is that fear of uh, not so much a fear, I suppose, or the apprehension that comes with racing that I feel comfortable if I fail at training, but I certainly don't feel comfortable if I'm going to, you know, not, not run a good race. Uh, and I think that's, that's something to really deal with. And, and I suppose, um, you know, that, that pressure of the clock or um, you've trained really well, um, now I have to race well. Uh, and, I, and I think that can be a limiting factor. It's certainly a limiting factor for me. And, and I dare say it's probably a limiting factor to other athletes when, when that happens. So that's something that, um, you know, I've had chats obviously with you about, Zacha, as, as my coach, that I need to work my way through that. But it has been something. It's nothing new to me. Um, and I think there's that perceived pressure. You know, whether the pressure's there or not, is a different matter to what we feel is there as runners and certainly what I feel there is runners. And, you know, and I know when I, you know, the build-up for me to a race um, can be quite stressful, um, but often I get a, a really a real sense of relief once the, you know, the gun goes or, or whatever um, and then I can find myself getting into the race then, but I don't know how to yet get rid of as as many races i've done as many times i've run against the clock i don't know how to get rid of that initial apprehension and and to try and beat that you know beat those emotions mm. so i think also, it, it, prob it probably comes back to that you know that that perspective again that you know why should it matter if i fail at a race you know what have i lost so you know, it's easier. Some of these things are, for me, are easier said than done. Yeah, and we, we always, I guess, we do want to protect ourselves in some ways. But then, the flip side is, well, yeah, there is, like we mentioned earlier, there's always going to be another race. So, like, why not have a crack? But it's, mm. uh, we've all been there, and we, we choose in certain parts of races whether to really roll the dice or maybe play it safe. Um, so, yeah, it's it's. It's it's a part of the lure, I guess, of running is all these aspects. Well, it's not just the training; it's also this side of things that that make running. And we forget, yeah. and I think we forget sometimes that races hurt, but training hurts as well. And, yeah. and why should sometimes it be any different? Um, we do hurt when we train, and we do hurt when we race. Um, yeah, and that and that's something that I've tried to get into my head, and I'm getting better at understanding that too in myself. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a constant work in progress for all of us, I think. Mm -hmm. I, um, Josh, you mentioned about your marathon and you know, some of the, the toughness you've shown there. But what about yourself? Do you, do you think you're mentally tough enough when it comes down to it for training and racing? It depends on your perspective of what tough enough is, I suppose. I, yeah. I ran, through, ran through pain for years and you know some people would call that super mentally tough and other people would probably call that you know mentally weak to, to not stop and try and try and get it sorted out at some point uh you know so it depends on your perspective there but i certainly feel like over a long period of time that i've developed uh psychologically to 
to be able to, to go pretty hard in training and uh, to test the limits and all of that kind of thing, which I certainly, even on my comeback now, I feel like I can still push myself really hard and, you know, I feel mentally strong and content in myself. Uh, just one thing that I'd like to add, though, and it's a bit of a physical thing with racing, is most of the times that you feel mentally soft in a race, I, for me, it's usually because I've gone out too hard. Simple as that. Um, so, you know, if I've paced myself correctly in a race, usually I've got the mental tools there ready to ready to go when it starts to hurt. It's usually that I'm way too early in the race to be hurting and that I've, I've kind of failed or, you know, struggled a bit in that sense. Mm. Yeah, there is a real art to that to that racing and um yeah and guess planning and preparing with your coach as the best way to, to execute on the on the day can really help as well. Mads down to you. Do you think you're mentally tough enough when it comes to, to ra- training and racing? Look I'm a really harsh critic on myself so I think I'm gonna trend towards no. Um but I I think I'm improving. I think I'm a work in progress in pretty much every aspect of running and life. Um, I've definitely shown glimmers of toughness in racing and in training. Um, You know, I know I've done some amazing races and I've had those uh, moments of brilliance in training as well. Um, I'd like to see it happen more frequently. Um, I think for me, when I say work in progress, it's been a lot about having the energy, uh, not just the physical energy, the emotional energy to really switch on at training. Um, you know, I, I normally do have it for a race. Um, and I've found, I guess, that I have that obviously when my life is less hectic. Um, and COVID's probably been a really good thing for me. It's simply forced me to simplify my life. Um, and so I think more frequently I'm turning up to training with, you know, the energy to, to, to really have thought about what the session is and what I want to get from it. Um, having said that, Zaka, you definitely saw me a week or two ago where I was in a, I was in a wonderful mood and I really wasn't willing to, um, to try very hard. Um, much to everybody's frustration, I'm sure. Um, in terms of kind of working on it and, and what I do to to fix um, or to try to be more consistent with that, um, I think you need to practice in training what you're planning to implement in racing. Um, and over the years, I've I've used diff- lots of different things. I've tried mantras. Um, um, you know, I've tried sort of thought patterns. The one I'm trying at the moment is is really simply just trying to stay in the rep I'm in and not judging. Um, I guess a session, a session's uh, success before the session is over. Mm-hmm. Um, so I very much get in the habit, both in races and sessions, of kind of maybe getting halfway in and thinking, "Ah, oh, no, I'm, I'm way off my pace. I feel shit. I thought I'd feel better than this. This isn't working. Oh well, should I even finish?" That kind of mindset. Um, and I still have those thoughts, obviously, but I'm trying really hard to practice to bring it back and say, it's all right, let's just get through this rep. You're still on pace. You're actually doing really well. Let's get around the back of the track, you know, one lap to go, that sort of thing. And almost always the session isn't anywhere near as bad as I sort of envisage it might be. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, on, on Tuesday, I think I had seven reps of 800. Um, I was probably having those negative thoughts from like rep number two. Um, but I kept trying to bring it back. And at the end of the day, I had a session that was, yeah, maybe not quite as good as I'd hoped. But it was pretty damn good. Um, so I think it's, yeah, really practicing in training what you plan to implement. And then in the race, it's just second nature. Yeah, I really like that um, one about 
<laughs> so, <laughs> no, I really like that one about not judging the session beforehand mm. because I think we all see things come through on a piece of, you know, on their program and have these preconceived ideas of what's going to happen and how we're going to react and you just, you can follow suit and you can just take the easy, easier option or you can just, yeah, like play it safe or, or basically, yeah. yeah. Just, mm. But I think even, you know, if you're meant to run at a certain pace and you're just not for that, whatever reason on that day, you just can't do it. Um, I think it's really easy to kind of see it as a failure already. Yeah. Um, and Mark, you know, my, my side talks a lot about a session not either being good or bad or anything not being good or bad, but there's such a, a gray scale in between. And so you can still get so much, you know, maybe it's not the perfect session or the perfect outcome, but you can still get so much from it. Um, you know, th there's so much in between, basically. So to keep pushing towards, you know, the best that you can um, mm. rather than kind of thinking, oh, this is a failure. I haven't quite hit the, the paces, so therefore it's a failure. No, it's probably not. Um, you still get something from it. Yeah, there's a lot in that. Um, Steph, over to you. Do you think you're mentally tough enough when it comes to training and racing? Steph might be on a bit of a delay. Um, I think... Uh... Oh. Sorry, I I'm keep on ducking out for a run. <laughs> um, no, I um I think that I you train how you race. So if you train mentally tough, you you become mentally tough um, in the race. And sometimes, if especially in the really long stuff, if you're if you've got a goal for a session and you're not hitting the pace or you're just not feeling it you're probably just training mind in those sessions so I sort of justify that sometimes you're um even if like physically you're just training yourself just to be tough um by getting through those um those harder sessions I think um to perform well though you have to be pretty mentally and emotionally fresh going into a race um or going into um and I guess that difference between training and racing is that um you know you train well I train every day and there's certainly some days where I'm mentally I just can't dig as deep but um there's something magic about race day that makes you um you just find that fifth gear um and you can um and mentally you can just push that little bit harder so I think that, you're I don't know like I think definitely days I'm like not tough at all <laughs> I'm the opposite I'm like no I'm very weak today but um and then I think um, working on it um or just getting through sessions and focusing on you know there's always something positive from every session and that's what's probably um you're going to take forward um and that's going to probably make you tougher so I think I know I had an athlete today messaged me um that yesterday she got out in the rain and normally she wouldn't have but she did and that she felt so proud that she'd done that and I was like that's really awesome like you know it's those little um those little cookies in the bank that you can then draw on on race day as well so um good old that's like a David Goggins um what's it called um reference there <laughs> but um yeah I think that um I'm certainly not always tough at all but I um I think that if you're not training your body in a session, most of the time you're training your mind. And if you train tough, you you can't help it but be tough when um when it counts. 
Yeah, I like it, Steph. And as a bit of... That all came through. <laughs> yeah, it did. It came through. Issues 101. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're talking about training tough and, and then moving into a race setting that we all go through those moments when you do get deep in, in the, I guess they call it the well, or, you know, when you're really heavy in it. And is there something specific you guys use to help you in that situation, you know, help you get through it, whether it's a mantra, whether it's some kind of technique? Um, yeah, I think have you all got something you can sort of share? I'll throw over to you, Stu, first. Let me qualify this answer by saying I don't always follow my own advice. So anything I say here needs that qualification. <laughs> uh, I think distractions, definitely. Um, you can become a bit of a maths whiz working with the numbers. You know, average paces, how far have I gone, what percentage of a race have I got to go, particularly in the longer races. You know, if I run, you know, a particular pace for the next two Ks, is that going to set me up for the two Ks after that, whatever the case might be? So those those little number game distractions work for me. Uh, I think chunking also works really well, depending on the length of the race. Um, so if I, you know, running a marathon, you might break it down in the first 5K blocks and, and see how far that takes you maybe to the halfway mark or if it's a half, maybe in, in two or three K blocks to begin with. So I use a bit of chunking, which is good. For a five or a ten, it might be, you know, one one little 1K blocks or get the first two out of the way in a 10, something like that I think also works. Um, and I often ask myself, what's the worst thing that happens when, you know, where I'm really digging deep and it doesn't work for me? What's the worst thing that can happen if I do blow up or if I fall off the pace? And generally the answer to that is, you know, you know nothing bad's really going to happen. Um, and then there's also things like, I know how this feels. I've done this before. So you get those little affirmations, I suppose, for yourself. You know, I, I've run this race before. I know this part of the course. I know what it felt like last time. I can get through here. Um, I, I know oh, how am I going to feel, um, and, and what, what's going to be the what's going to be the physical and and I suppose the emotional response when I complete this particular race or this particular run. So they're little things that I try to occupy my mind with when it does get tough. When you do hit that wall in the you know, in the marathon, which I've certainly experienced, um, and, it, and it got really ugly a, a couple of times. So that chunking became, the chunks became a lot smaller. Um, but, you know, that sort of self-affirmation, I, I think, is is really important. I mentioned, um, you know, when I ran with my wife in a, in a marathon in 2018 in the Melbourne Marathon that I knew there was at a stage where she was going to finish and that was her aim, and I said, I know you're going to finish. And I think that sort of really positive self-talk um, for yourself and even for someone you might be running with or, or getting into a pack with or something like that and supporting each other out there, um, you know, is it can be just so crucial in, in, you know, lifting you but also enhancing your performance. Yeah, some great. T I, I really like the chunking. I think you're, you're spot on there, and, and I and and I can totally relate to hitting that wall and those chunks <laughs> get a bit smaller. Like, get to the next cone. Two hundred meter chunks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, but look, you know, it's you learn a lot from those experiences. So um, yeah. Josh, over to you, mate. Um, I when you're deep. Just yeah, go oh. for it, Steph. Oh, no, sorry. I don't want to interrupt. Oh, you're right. I was just going to say one strategy I've used was um, 
was I um I write the race before I do it. Um, like I write down what I'm going to feel and what I'm going to tell to myself throughout the whole event. And then, and I write about what I'm going to say to myself when I feel really, really horrible because in events that are that long, there's like so many points of like, of death essentially. (laughs) Um, And I just have little things that I say to myself um, already, like, like one of them is that I know it's going to happen. Like, oh, like, so I think the wall in the marathon, everyone thinks you should be able to run through and not like a perfect race. You don't hit a wall, but I'm like, I'm pretty sure every, like even Kipchoge, like they go through, like everyone goes through bad patches, but it's what you tell yourself at the bad patch to get you through. That's um, mm. the most pivotal in a race. So I am, um, I tell my athletes to, you know, write their story before they go in. And I certainly do before my events, um, especially the really long ones. Um, what you're going to tell yourself um, that's going to get you through the tough times to the end. But sorry to interrupt. Sorry. <laughs> no, Steph, that's great. Um, do you have anything more, Al, do you want to add? We might as well just finish your kind of one-off. I think um, you covered it off really well, though. Uh, I just, yeah. I was just going to show everyone because I thought this was funny. I found this. I did 100K to get a golden ticket in this event at the start of the year and it has, like, the course and I, like, oh, I can't really move my camera properly. There we go. Um, and I um, I draw it on my arm and I write, oh, wow. like, the key words, like, because it's got lots of up and down in it on my arm. So it's like a bit of a map as you're going along. Mm. So then when I get to a certain point, like, I can go, oh, yep, that's what I tell myself now. So that's <laughs> except my the problem is the longer the event, I, my arm's not long enough. So I'm not sure <laughs> I'm going to do my next, when I go to 100 miles, I'll get another arm or something. <laughs> but I always yeah. do stupid stuff like that. Um, and I think, um, yeah, just little strategies or like we have aid stations in trail runs. So like you have a drop bag, you write something on the drop bag mm. that's like that's gonna um be really positive or remind you of like why you're there or right the holiday you're gonna go on after you finish or you know something to get you to the end so they're the really lame things that i do (laughs) and i encourage everyone to try them at least Yeah, I might have to get the, get the markers out for my next one. But I, I like I, I have um, seen people put notes on um, on their bottles and yeah, even getting partners or friends to actually write something, and then they don't see it until they actually get there, which is a pretty cool way to do it because you get a bit of a surprise. Like, hey, I wonder what my partner's going to have on there, and hopefully it's something friendly and encouraging. Um, but yeah, it's um, yeah, I like some of those yes. concepts. They're great. Josh, over to you, mate. Um, when you're in the well, is something you use to um, pull you through? Yeah, I, I like to think that it's important for everyone to have a number of strategies in their toolbox that they can use depending on the situation. And one of Stu's points really made that idea clear. So I'm, I'm someone that generally likes to be really present in the race uh, rather than being kind of, distracting myself and that kind of thing I love to, to be there and I find that when I'm running best that that's happening however when he started to talk about blowing up in the marathon I thought back to a couple of occasions where where that had happened and at that point I think the best thing psychologically was to just try and dissociate 
from it as, as much as I could. So, you know, it depends on the situation that you've got yourself into, uh, what strategy is the best to use. And I think that um, having a number of strategies that you can use is um, a great thing. One thing that I, I like to do is give myself some cues as well. So it might be, you know, focus on cadence or relax your shoulders, a couple of little keywords like that that you can that you can think of and have a little bit of like an instant relaxation effect uh, on your body. So that's um, that's something that I use as well. Josh, do you use them in training as well or just race day? Certainly 2017, uh, that kind of time frame, I was regularly using some of those relaxation cues in my long sessions and things like that. Um, mm. Since the comeback, probably slacked off a, a little bit in that regard, but now I kind of think about it, I'm certainly thinking of some, some threshold sessions and that kind of uh, training where I've really, you know, just keep yourself controlled. Uh, so while it mightn't be as specific as it was a few years ago, I've still had some strategies, obviously, in the back pocket to draw upon in, in the sessions that I've been doing lately. Mm. Yeah, it's um. I know it's good to have those key words you can sort of use just to jolt yourself back in and just keep you maybe relaxed or keep you to focus on something. Uh, Mads, have you got some cues or some ways you use to your tactics you use when you're deep in the well? Yeah, mine's a bit of an amalgamation of the three, um, the three previous speakers. Um, I guess my first one would be yeah, definitely to expect it to hurt um, and. I think going into a race or a session, knowing that that's going to be the case, uh, makes you relaxed when that when the hurt comes. Um, I remember speaking to someone before my Com Games steeplechase race in 2014, and um, I said something like, "Oh, it gets really hard after four laps," and she said, "Do you think it gets hard for everybody?" And I said, "Oh, yeah, probably." Um, and she said, all right, and, you know, what do you think they're all thinking? Do you think that's also the point where they're all doubting that they can go those next you know, three and a half laps? I said, oh, probably. And it was almost just, you know, made, pointing out the obvious that everyone was having those thoughts um, and that was expected and that was the whole point. And if you weren't hurting a bit at some point, you know, you've probably not done the race quite right. Um, and then having some strategies to go with from there. So I've used a combination of everything that people have listed. Um, I've counted down minutes to go. Um, I've counted down, I try to count down in miles in longer things rather than um, Ks and because I can do the switch quite easily just from spending some time um, in the UK. So miles I like because they're just a smaller number. Um, so, you know, 3K, 3.2K to go is, is two miles. I, I'll go with that. Um, I do that on my long runs too and definitely on thresholds. Um, I've got mantras or words um, that I have used over time. They're useless if I haven't practiced them in training. Um, they don't come to me in a race if I haven't been practicing them. And I think what Josh said about being disciplined, um, you know, in training to, to be using them um, is really important as well. And like I said, I've, I've tried just in the last few weeks to, to have that little you know, thought before a session of, okay, this is what I'm going to try to use. Let's see if it works for me or not. Um, so, yeah, mine's a little bit of a combination of all the above. Yeah, yeah it sounds like you've... You've thought it through. You've played around with a few different things in training and racing to, to try and get it all right. Hey, um, now I want to just move. Like, obviously, you've, we've all had races and we've all done, you know, had amazing runs and achievement. But 
there's also things where things don't go to plan and we do have those moments where, yeah, we have a setback, whether it's an injury or actually more so if a race just doesn't go to plan. And I guess how do you guys just dust yourself off and get going again? Like how do you deal with those setbacks and then to reset and, and motivate yourself again? And we'll, we'll kick it off with you, Stu. I think, and I want to come back to that point I made right from the beginning, and I think that I think perspective's really important here. I think we need to, if it's been a bad race, you know, what does that mean in the great scheme of things? Does it does it make me less of a runner? Does it make me less of a person? And the answer to that is always going to be no. So I think that's something we we can take from that. So I think that perspective's really important. Um, and I, I think it's also important that, um, you know, I, I mentioned before about having good people around you, people that un that understand you um, and, and support what you're trying to do. And those people can be really, really invaluable when it comes to helping you with that perspective, keeping you a little bit grounded because, you know, I, I know I can get, I can get caught up and, and as runners we can get caught up if we don't perform to our expectations and how do we bounce back from that. Well, other people can help us help us bounce back from that. I think by maybe you know giving us a few home truths, telling us that yeah, it was a it was a crap run, but you know what, you'll do better next time, or um, or say it wasn't so bad, and perhaps tell you what you need to hear, um, or or what you don't want to hear. Um, and I think that's a, a really good way to help us find some of that perspective. And I think. Um, so, and I don't think they have to be runners. I don't think they have to be people who understand running or who run. They might be our nearest and dearest. Uh, they might be our kids. They might be our parents. Uh, they might be work colleagues. But just having that, I think, can really help us bounce back and find that that motivation. So it's almost like in a, in a very individual sport, a team is really important to us. You know, not a team in in a traditional sporting sense, but a team in a in a human sense. And I think that's great. And I, and I think the other thing um, to do with that perspective is we all bring something else to, to the start line. Um, I, I think about Park Run, for example. I run Park Run for, my, for a 5K hit out, you know, pretty regularly. Everyone brings something different to the Park Run. You look at the different shapes and size of the people that stand on that, that, that start line. Um, you know, they bring absolutely, you know, their people might have, um, it might be doing walking it because I want to lose some weight. There are elite runners. There are people who have mental health issues. There might be people who are struggling with uh, you know, some sort of addiction or, or whatever, but they're all out there. They bring their stuff to the, to the start line. But at the end, they've all achieved the same thing. And that can be really empowering. And I think that can be really motivating for runners of, of all abilities. And, and I suppose I'll just close this point by saying you, you touched on at the beginning that I'd run in competition for athletes with disabilities. I've got a severe vision impairment. I never use that as a motivating factor because that's not it that that doesn't define me as a runner or as an individual or as a person or as a you know a, as a human being but and I don't run in spite of that I don't run to to prove anything because my stuff yeah, my disability that I bring to the starting line with me is just the same as everyone else's stuff. And, and I think that's a, a great way to really humanise what we're doing and to, to really bring it back to the basics. And, and I think that's a, you know, and if we do get that perspective and we do really break it down like that, that can really help us, you know, bounce back. And I think that can really help motivate us for the next one when we see that, hey, someone else's 
they got their stuff, but they're running too. And I think mm. that's incredibly empowering. Yeah, spot on there. Yeah, there's, there's a lot that goes that, that everyone goes through and to be able to, yeah, get get to the start line and just turning up and is an achievement for a lot of people. Yep, hey, absolutely. I'll, just on this question, we actually had um, a listener, a, a viewer question come in that, that actually follows on from this and it's directed to yourself, uh, Josh and Mad. So I'll put it up here. And, um, yeah, it's from Alan Shields. He says, but Josh and Mads, how hard has it been? So it's sort of following on from this dusting yourself off. How hard has it been mentally trying to get back to the top level, firstly after Josh with your foot injury and then Mads with your hamstring issues? So if you both want to attack that one. Yeah. So I think some of the stuff that I spoke about earlier on where, you know, you, you shift your focus and, and you, you talk about or you work on things that are in your control, you... Um, you change your goalposts to your new your new level and you don't be too hard on yourself uh, because there's a reason that, that that happened and and there's nothing that you can do to go back and change it and you know I think that over a lot of years I've developed this skill and being a relief teacher I um, use it every day as well where you know I can dust myself off really quickly from from anything and and move on and what I found is that if it's a bad race or something it's so important to reflect on that and to you know take take a learning out of it and for most of the races that I've done that haven't quite went right I've been able to to knuckle down and focus in on something that went wrong uh, and then a couple of hours later I'm usually fine and and try and work on that for the next one you know well champs I was not disappointed at all because I knew I had a broken foot. That was the, the learning from that. I did what was in my control. I did my best. Uh, there have been other races where, you know, it might have been that I've went out too hard and my learning is, okay, next time I, I can't quite go out that hard. Or um, So quickly reflecting on a bad performance and um, I've been able to move on from most of those things pretty quickly. And you, Mads, your hamstring issues and uh, how hard was it to get back to the top level? Because you'd come back and, uh, yeah, so how hard has it been? Yeah, um, I think in the initial stages post-surgery, it was all joyous. Um, I was so grateful for every little progression I made. Um, you know, the 30-second jog, four-minute walk type, you know, starting point and then, you know, all the way through to doing some good sessions. Um I think for me, the pressure of Tokyo, it was always going to be a really, really tight timeline. And I think it was coming a little quick. Um, and so I think things did flick a little bit. And it was one of those things where you kind of needed to listen to your body, but there was a timeline. And it was a really important timeline. And there were stages, I guess, both pre-surgery and in the initial stages post and really up until the last few months where Tokyo was going to be the, the last gig for me. Um, and again, COVID and lots of, you know, different things this year have given me the chance to kind of change that up. And, um, you know, maybe end of 2021 will be the last year, but um, I've also got no, no certainty on that. I really just want to run until I'm not enjoying it anymore in terms of competitively. Um, so I think for me, the, the first stages of getting fit and being able to run 100K a week and all those sorts of things, that was fun. 
um, but really starting to have to tap into some sessions that I knew I needed to be able to do um, but really wasn't ready for hamstring-wise. Um, yeah, that was stressful. Um, if I look at, I guess, the few months or the last five months, you know, since we've really been racing or doing anything like that, um, I don't know. I mean, I think training's going really well. Um, I'm really happy with how I'm going, handling a lot of work. Um, I have no idea how that would translate into a race. I feel like right now, Zaka, you could probably say similar. I'm, I'm quite fit in terms of endurance. Um, I really haven't done anything speedy and that's a bit of a, uh, physical, you know, limitation in terms of just, I haven't done it. Um, but also mentally, I've just got to build the confidence again. Um, but I'm really excited to, to try. Um, and I think the fact that competitive racing, you know, is another six weeks, six months away, sorry, um, will really mean my hammies have had a great length of time post-surgery. The hamstrings are not even remotely an issue anymore. So yeah, I don't know. It's hard, I guess. It's always hard. I mean, you know, distance running in Australia is great and globally it's even better. Um, yeah. But I'm pretty excited by it. Um, yeah, so I'd say, I don't know, I guess when the pressure's really there, of course it's challenging. Um, but now the pressure will come back, but I think my body will be ready for it. Yeah, no, I think you're just taking on, um, you know, head on and, and day by day and just, you just keep showing up, I guess is the key. I, I want to wind this up um, because you guys have been going over an hour here and you've been really generous with your time. I've got one last question and I think um, it's come in here from Bri Lai um, and I think we'll just summarise it down to maybe give us your one key tip that, and I know we've covered a lot of tips here across the whole broadcast, but maybe one key tip from, from all of you for, for recreational runners and what they can do for their, for their mindset. Stu, do you want to uh, – so we'll go to you, Steph, because uh, – you there, Steph? <laughs> Go for it. Yeah, Not... I'm having the most technical problem, so I might disappear again. That's all right. Mental tip or, yeah, training resilience tip is um, stay positive, um, have a plan, um, and you're always tougher than you think you are, like, I just think that, um, yeah, we've all been through a lot and, yeah, you're a lot tougher. Have faith in yourself. Have that little positive fairy on your shoulder telling you you can do it and listen to it occasionally because it, it is right. No, that's – I love that. That's a great one, Steph. Thank you. Over to you, Stu. Oh, look, I want to just come back to my uh, my point I've been making about a few times now, and that's that's the perspective. You know, you it doesn't matter how how fast you are, how far you run, um, how many races you do, how often you run, but just to to do what you do as an individual and take you know take your you know take your in have your own individual perspectives on your own running you know really personalize it it is about you and I think those two little questions I had at the start is um, who do you run for and why do you run and I think if your answer to who do you run for is not yourself then you know think about that yeah that's a great that is a great question for all runners to ask themselves Thank you, Stu. And, uh, and Josh, you want to finish up with one of your tips for a record runner and their mindset? Yeah, I think 
each individual has to, you know, focus on their self and what they want to get out of running and not worry about anything else. See it, see running as, as that part of your life and, uh, you know, where that sits in your priority list and how much time you're willing to give running um, amongst those other priorities that you've got going on and, and set some goals that, that help you to achieve what you individually want to get out of it and, and enjoy uh, the process in terms of trying to reach those goals. Yeah, I like that. Enjoying the process is a really, is a key one. Got to love what you're doing out there and, and, you know, running's not, you know, there's cold weather and there's some tough runs out there. So you got to really enjoy it as well. Mads, to you. I've been trying to summarise it into one point just then and I think I've got three, but they're quick. My first one rolls on from Josh and it's just to um, remember why you started running. Um, the whole point, obviously, you, you you got into it was to enjoy it, so make sure you enjoy it. Um, the second one is to just not worry about the numbers and just enjoy it um, and think about the effort. Um, and, again, this is one that's taken me six years or whatever it is that I've been running to work out. But um, if you go and run something that's, you know, a few seconds a K slower or 10 seconds a K or 30 seconds a, slow K, a K slower than you planned, it's still better to do that, provided your body's healthy. Um, than to, to go back on the couch. You're still getting more more out of yourself, um, even if you're not hitting the targets that you wanted. Um, and my third one is just to say, take people on the journey with you. Um, my favourite part of being a coach has been being able to be a part of other people's journeys. Um, and, you know, it's the same thing with training partners. Um, my favourite thing is getting to, to have them help me, but also to get to help them. Um, and so for any runners, you know, whether it's your, your partner or your kids or your physio or your coach, um, let people experience it with you. And, um, you know, when you have some highs, they can be there for you and it's amazing. And, you know, then when you have the inevitable tough patches, people will pick you back up and you can have more highs. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And I think a really good one to end it on there, guys. Thanks for all your time. And I think I, I really hope that the viewers um, enjoyed you guys for being so open and honest about your answers and um yeah i've really i've enjoyed it myself so uh yeah and happy running to uh everyone else out there thanks guys thanks, thanks guys thanks everyone cheers thanks for listening to this week's episode of the better with running podcast as always, you can follow along on the socials at run to pb and shoot us through any listener questions or any information or any topics that you'd love us to cover. And we'd like to also thank those um, lovely runners out there that have given us a review on iTunes. Matt and I really appreciate that as we continue to build the content out and uh, give back to the running community. But for now, enjoy the rest of your run. <laughs>